Welcome back to the MedCore Podcast Network, where we cover insights, reporting, and analysis on medtech innovation across all of healthcare. I'm Carrie Stevens, Chief Editor of 24-7 Magazine. 24-7 has been on the forefront of the healthcare technology management field for more than 25 years. In today's episode, I am joined by the Bearded Biomed, aka Chase Torres, as we kick off a recurring partnership to discuss the latest news in the HTM and Biomed industry. Today's episode touches on the need to increase awareness and training in the biomed field, cybersecurity concerns, and the recent developments in the right to repair. Hi, welcome to the premiere episode of the 24-7 featuring the Bearded Biomed podcast, the Bearded Biomed, aka Chase Torres. And yeah, we're just here to talk about all things biomed and Chase. My first question is just tell me about yourself. Well, um, I've been in the field approximately 13 years, uh, started in the U.S. military where I learned to be a biomed, um, went to Shepard Air Force Base uh, back when the schoolhouse wasn't based at San Antonio. Um, from there, I was stationed at Fort Hood for my entire eight-year career, uh, went on two deployments, did a tour in Afghanistan and a tour in Africa for the... Uh, Ebola breakout. Um, yeah, the, the logistics weren't all there, but you know, we, we made things happen, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, from there pretty much, I came back to hood. Um, I was at the point to where I made the decision. Do I want to make this a career, um, in the military or do I want to take my journey to the civilian world? And pretty much I was left with either being shipped out to Germany to work at uh, the Army Depot, where basically I would be working on just pallets of the same equipment every day, like an assembly line. And that didn't sound enticing to me. So I decided to go ahead and exit the military and apply to about 30 different positions um, in the Texas area because I'm from Texas. I wanted to stay in Texas. Um, put one position in for Oklahoma city and that's the one that ended up, uh, hitting. And I've been with the same company ever since. And since then I've relocated to the DFW area and I've been servicing this area and going on adventures of the biomed world for the past four or five years. So, um, that's pretty much my biomed journey. Um, well, I'm sure 2020 was a major adventure in and of itself with everything going on. I want to hear about that. So, yeah, COVID's been a a change agent for the field in general um, in regards to, you know, how we deal with, you know, COVID patients. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have to be aware going into patient rooms, which, you know, I've done more than uh, probably the average person thinks that a biomed would go into a COVID patient room, but it's kind of like a normalcy now. So, you know, it's just donning proper PPE, that kind of thing. Um, dealing with the logistics of, you know, PMing and servicing state equipment, um, you know, for hospitals such as ventilators, uh, quick little story that comes to mind is one of the rural hospitals I take care of. Um, 
they obviously were in need of a lot more ventilators than what they had. Um, you know, the state had the program going to where they were shipping out ventilators left and right all across just everywhere to, you know, get these ventilators that are in need. So we got, I believe they got about, I want to say five or six completely boxed up. I get there. I'm literally assembling them, getting ready to start putting my test equipment together to, you know, verify that they're ready to go. And literally I have the respiratory director walk in and tell me, yeah, the state said we got to send them all back. Wow. And, you know, these were essentially about to be put on patients because they needed them. So I kind of feel the, like I said, COVID has taught us a lot. Um, Yeah. I would, I would say medical device management from the state level hasn't exactly been what I would call optimal from what I've came across, but you know, that may not be the case everywhere else, but that's just one thing that sticks out in my mind. I mean, that's, that's a lot to deal with, especially the patient care implications of that. I mean, these people, these patients needed the ventilators to breathe and to possibly live. And I can't imagine going through that. Well, it's navigating COVID patients with the device management is kind of in itself a little bit more um, wishy-washy. I had a hospital bed that the same uh, hospital needed me to look at. So I drive hours out there and come to find out that they have a COVID patient hooked up on a ventilator, you know, completely incoherent, not able to do anything in this bed that I need to repair. And of course I can't do anything to the bed because there's a patient in it. I'd, I need to know in the issue I'd needed to actually get in there and start taking things apart. So that's one of my frustrations. And one of the things I joke about on my podcast is one of my, one of my favorite things I notice is whenever I have to fix something for some reason, nurses don't care to take it off of the patient and remove it from, uh, you know, the floor. Um, you'd be surprised how often that happens. So what are some of the other frustrating things that you deal with on a daily basis? I mean, you can vent. This is a vent free <laughs> Well, that's uh, also why I made the podcast. It was kind of my therapy. Uh, No, I would say one of the biggest things that I have to deal with is I would say things that bother me right now are staffing um, because we don't have the numbers needed. I mean, we're always turnover in the biomed field is almost nostalgic at this point. Um, usually if you last more than a year, you're you know more likely to stay within that company or hospital system you're in. But uh, the turnover rate is kind of commonplace nowadays. So it's kind of hard to retain technicians. Why? Of course, Why do you think? Um, well, we're already a niche um, profession to begin with. And I think we only got about 9,200, 9,300 biomeds in the U.S. total today. And obviously with the more niche profession, that's also going to yield to, you know, more competition. So if there's a better deal somewhere else, you know, when it comes to pay and of course, biomeds, go get your pay. Um, This also helps with filling out the 24-7 survey 
yeah. when it comes to pay. So we know exactly if we are all getting paid, you know, fair rates. Um, and then, you know, it can always stem back to company culture and everything. Like there's just a lot of dynamics. Um, but I, I think a big thing is just competition just because, you know, it, it's always going to be that way, at least until uh, the field itself grows a lot larger to, you know, establish where you want to stay. Unfortunately, the company I'm with, uh, I have really no qualms with it all. I love it. So um, I was fortunate in that. Well, one of the things, especially, I'm glad you mentioned our salary survey, but a lot of people are so close to retirement age too. I know that's something that people are constantly bringing up that, you know, people are five, always usually less than 10 years from retirement. So it's like, these people are leaving the field that's already a niche field, but where is the talent coming in? And I know that's been a huge problem for the industry and something we write about a lot. Yes. Um, actually I have an episode going into this even further. I believe it's episode four. It's, uh, the old and the new, um, if you look at the statistics, um, roughly 75% of our field is over 49 years of age. Yeah. Um, the minority and also female numbers attached to the biomed field are also way drastically lower than what anyone should find acceptable. Um, like I said, I would say a lot of our field is probably, if not within that 49 or older range, uh, probably around because I'm, I'm about to be 32 um, and I've been in the field for over a decade. So right. there's not an influx of new technicians coming into the fray there. Yeah. I mean, we have luckily entities such as Amy trying to push forth, going into high schools, doing HTML yeah. box, doing outreach, trying to get the numbers. Um, even in the military, I have contacts that are high up and they have, you know, eyes on what these numbers are. And it's, it's not meeting. I mean, even the, a lot of the higher reps in these uh, very established positions in our biomed field that's in the military, they're, they're leaving too. So right. the the numbers are not matching up with the demand that's incoming. Um, I read another stat. It was by 2028, we need an additional 5,000 more biomeds, which is more than half of what we have right now in less than six years. That's scary. Um, it's staggering. And yeah. again, it's uh, me and David Brottenham were speaking about this too, in that, you know, one of the, one of the, talking points or I guess uh, excuses made or, well, there's not enough biomed schools to go around. Well, the biomed schools are going to be met based on demand. If there's not a supply, why is there going to be a, a demand of schools? Um, now, luckily we do have like college of biomedical uh, equipment technology. We have uh, David's program down in uh, Collins college um, in North um, DFW. We have slowly more colleges starting to provide um, biomed programs. We have, of course, the U S military, and you can go to the, you know, the Triforce school down in San Antonio, which, you know, being military trained, I don't think there's anything that's going to be a step above that because of the resources, the, I, I, I think personally, the, the level of a military trained biomed is, set up more for success just because of those resources. But 
neither here nor there. Right. Well, and like you said, I know Amy's trying to do a lot with their um, their apprenticeship program and all that. I think that's great. But yeah, I mean, again, more has to be done when you think of how many new people have to come into the field because, and I know a lot of times people don't know about the profession. I think that's one of the biggest issues too. I mean, people, a lot of times when I tell people, you know, I, you know, my magazine is 24 seven, it's for HTM biomed. They ask what that is. They don't, they've never heard of it. And I don't know. Can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe the lack of awareness of the profession. So one of the biggest reasons I decided to make the podcast is for awareness. Good. Um, Before I was even looking to do anything, um, if you go, I mean, really, we don't have a social media presence to begin with when it comes or, you know, media presence in general, besides the, you know, yourself and technician that are doing, you know, outreach through magazine and publishing and things of that nature but we have the better biomed on youtube and you know he's been going for a while now um but we didn't have anything in the podcast space so hence right. where you what know, you're I doing. Into and now what we're doing yeah. yeah i mean i think it's great i'm so i think what you're doing is awesome and i'm excited for this just hopefully it's a different level of interaction um, yeah the the space of technology has morphed to the point to where, you know, everybody wants the next thing. Everybody wants to digest something quick. And, you know, I feel like podcasts was a good way to uh, provide that. Um, in regards to no one knowing that we exist, this is one of my greatest frustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, I got tired of explaining to everybody whenever I'm introduced to someone or I'm, you know, meeting someone first for the first time, what do you do? Oh, yeah, I I guess that job makes sense to, you know, exist. Well, (laughs) we're kind of a a backbone critical component of medical care. And most of the time, even even medical professionals themselves are like, sometimes I've came across once they don't even really understand what a biomed is and you're in the medical profession. So we need to do a better job at marketing, outreach, uh, social media interaction, um, like I said, which is why the podcast was born. And obviously it's great to have, you know, 24 seven getting into that space as well, because it's, it's not even about competition for me. It's honestly just about expanding the reach and, you know, finding that next generation to inspire them to want to become biomeds. Well, we need that next generation because again, it's like, people go to the hospitals and they just assume that their medical equipment is going to work. There's not, Oh, you know, is this, is this infusion pump going to fail? I mean, you don't even think of those things. It's just assume that your medical equipment will operate as it's supposed to. So, but that is thanks to the biomeds such as you who are making sure that it does, but people just don't think about that. I think that's a lot of the problem too. Yeah. And I mean, repairing equipment, is a vital component of what we do but honestly the bread and butter of the biomed field is you know preventive maintenance inspections doing the 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 p's and the q's the quality checks the you know calibration verifications to ensure that these medical devices are operating according to those manufacturer specifications um obviously right by us doing the job um 
you know, doing those inspections. We're ensuring that we're trying to keep your equipment optimal as possible. So we don't have to rely on always having to repair something, which inevitably is going to happen anyway, <laughs> either by patients or staff breaking the equipment or just, you know, mm-hmm. faulty equipment to begin with. Well, yeah. And, you know, especially with medical devices being such a easy entry point for hackers, the biomeds are vital to preventing that from happening. I know I wrote an article not too long ago about the first medical device related cyber attack resulting in death. There's a lawsuit going on. Um, a little girl, I'm sure you're aware of this, but a woman gave birth at a hospital that had just had a cyber attack and she wasn't notified of that. So she was induced, had a baby. And I guess some of the monitoring, the fetal monitoring equipment was down because of the cyber attack. And she ended up having a baby that should have come via C-section and the baby had brain damage and ended up passing away. And now there's a lawsuit going on about this possibly, you know, who's at fault for this. So it's, it's interesting. The, the space of cybersecurity and with medical devices is becoming more and more needed to be understood. Um, It's not there. There is a component between that shared space of it and biomed. And of course, if any biomeds out there would be asked, a lot of them would say, uh, we either don't speak to IT or we're not on the best of terms. But in relation, we have to understand that uh, Biome and IT are two different um, edges of a coin. I mean, IT, they're mainly focused on non-medical devices. They don't get trained on these things. That's where the yeah. biomed comes in. Uh, cyberware attacks are becoming ever more prevalent. I mean, I think we've had several Within just the past, you know, few months, I wasn't there. I think you wrote about one. Was that the one with Illinois? Yes. And then, okay. It, it's it's not going away. It's only going to continue to ramp up. Um, even most medical facilities that I take care of, um, cybersecurity isn't on the forefront of their minds. Um, now, obviously, you have to. A lot of their some of the equipment I take care of also is so out of date, which is also another risk because, you know, it's much more accessible um, to hacking to they're not even at the point of getting firmware updates anymore. Um, So there is risk mitigation that must be considered as well, because, you know, a lot of this outdated equipment is just more accessible and has a red sign saying, hey, hack me. I'm available. Right. Absolutely. And I know we actually just did a roundtable that came out today about cybersecurity with some of the biggest leaders in the industry with it. And they were talking about the passive security monitoring tools as being really helpful um, and the zero trust and all of that. But yeah, what is cybersecurity at your facility like? I mean, how are y'all really trying to prevent these attacks from happening? Well, I am of a third-party provider. So while we do offer cybersecurity, we have a partnership with another company that their sole purpose is providing medical device cybersecurity. Um, A lot of facilities either facilitate this through their IT department or, 
mean, some of them don't even worry about it at all, which is again, a red flag. Um, now, if you go into like the major hospital systems like Baylor and, you know, some Scott and White, they, they have this in place. They, you know, this, this is a consideration. So I would imagine most larger hospital systems, the ones that, you know, are part of uh, medical system networks, they're, they're going to have this, you know, at least aware of the situation and cybersecurity still, I would believe for medical device industry is still kind of in its adolescence. Like it's, it's something that's starting to be talked more and more, but it's not, um, it's not something that's just common knowledge to everybody where it's like a, a bread and butter standard of what everybody's expecting the biomed to do. So this also pins over to the biomed, uh, needing to get ahead of that bell curve in regards to, you know, cause we're constantly seeking out further education to begin with. Um, it's just another facet of the job. So going out and possibly getting network security, um, you know, the A plus N plus S plus certifications, uh, just to at least able to navigate that infrastructure is only going to be beneficial to the biomed to begin with. Absolutely. It's just crazy to think how medical devices are so not, I'm not going to say easily hacked, but vulnerable to these attacks. And I don't think patients realize that. There's a lot that I don't think the patient for general society understands of the complexities of medical care to begin with. I mean, even people, you know, the biomed itself, there's a lot about nursing and what doctors do on day in, day out that we don't understand. There's, and it's vice versa. A lot of medical staff that, you know, we see day in, day out, they don't understand the intricacies of, you know, biomed service. So if you have people that are around these, you know, medical professionals to begin with, and we don't understand the the complexities of each other's job, how can we expect the patient to understand uh, what the threats, what the risks are, especially when it comes to something like cybersecurity? It's, it's yeah. otherworldly almost to this point. Very true. And I also wanted to ask, what are some misconceptions about biomed that you want to clear up some more? <sighs> One that comes to mind, and which is a a thorn in my side, would be what's involved with the right to repair movement. Right. Uh, there has been, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing to begin with, um, fighting against OEMs, their lobbyists, the politicians making obscene uh, statements. You know, if the OEN was to provide service parts, availability, training to us biomeds that aren't OEM affiliated, then the patient is at risk. The patient is at danger. Um, episode seven coming out this week, and mm-hmm. I am going a deep dive into this. But for those that make that argument, most of the time, when we have to rely on the manufacturer to provide parts or to provide uh, dispatching a technician out, that equipment has been down. That equipment remains to be down. And you're already increasing that lead time, not to mention 
it's usually an exorbitant amount of money to dispatch technician because guess what? Uh, they are understaffed as well, along with, you know, us non-OEM biomeds. So usually it involves flying out from a different side of the country uh, just to get out to wherever you may be. And usually this is, uh, you know, somewhere that doesn't have OEM contracts. And if you do, you still have to ship the unit out anyway. So this is a complete monopoly almost to the point to where the ball is 95% in their court. Uh, they have such a stranglehold on the medical device industry in regards to, you know, non-scheduled services that it's one of the most frustrating things in the world for a biomed to sit there, look their medical facility that you're taking care of and tell them, I absolutely have no ability to fix this unit, not because I don't want to, but because my hands are tied. They will not sell us parts. You have to send this in and there's absolutely nothing I can do. Now, mind you, when you tell someone that, uh, they're going to lose faith. They're going to lose trust in you as their biomed because that's why they have you on the payroll. That's why they pay for your services uh, to fix their problem, not to concern them with telling them why something can't be. So that's already hindering our relationships with our medical facilities. Uh, secondly, uh, they don't have, I mean, with COVID especially, hospitals are already struggling. Uh, there's been multitudes of closures all over the U.S. Um, several of my hospitals I've taken care of either, have either just closed down completely and then I go out there one day to check on them, they're not there. Uh, have filed for bankruptcy. Um, and I will tell you a service call to a manufacturer to either dispatch a technician or to send in something for an assessment fee, part shipping repair, thousands of dollars. So it, it, it's literally frustrating for biomeds in general to not even have the availability to get those parts. Um, and I have read constantly or have listened to uh, these talking heads speaking to the point that if we make these parts accessible, then patients are put at more risk. My argument to that is we're working on life-saving devices and patient care devices day in and day out that aren't under you know your scope, OEM. And guess what? Patients are safe. I'm sure I can assume that we will have some OEMs listening to this. And is there anything else you want to tell them? <laughs> I simply would say just if, if the point of contention is, seriously is that it's patient safety, then why not offer SHTM professionals training on your medical devices because the equipment that is listed as proprietary, you some of it you won't even offer training to us because at the end of the day, it's about money. And if you are making that available for other services to have that training to service your equipment, which is your argument for being qualified in the first place to even service it, then wh where's the compromise? Yeah. Well, I think this is good for today. I'm excited to keep this conversation going. And 
I know Chase and I have aspirations to get a lot of some the biggest names in biomed on this podcast where we can talk to them about, you know, what they think about these, the big issues that are keeping people up at night, like right to repair and cybersecurity. So it kept me up last night making the episode about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's what everyone in our salary survey. So make sure everyone reads our salary survey. It's coming out um, in late January, but I know people are constantly saying that we are, that that is what is keeping them up at night. So um, thanks so much for talking to us today. If Leonard, if listeners want to hear more, Chase, where can they find you? So of course you can listen to the Beard of Biomed on my weekly episodes. Um, I'm available through pretty much every platform, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple, Google, Facebook even has podcasting these days. Um, you can go directly to my website, just Google Bearded Biomed, and it'll take you there. I'm also available on, we have a Bearded Biomed Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, even a TikTok. Um, Everywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. So if you have any questions or comments about the show, please, you know, reach out to you to Carrie or, you know, myself on the Bearded Biomed, uh, you know, social media. And yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'm excited for 24-7 actually getting into the podcast space. This is awesome, and uh, it's truly been a pleasure being on. I, I had fun today. I did too. All right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Take care.